It is Locked on Jazz for the 1st of December. It's a happy hat day. Jazz win. Everyone can relax. The Colin Sexton experience is one I've never experienced ever before, and I'm buying in entirely in the whole experience. All and every aspect of it. A zone defense from the Utah Jazz changes the game. A change in rotation, subtle but maybe important, and some late game watching. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, Geeky numbers and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan. It is also Happy Hat Day. We are back on the winning track. Everyone's happy. Though, frankly, we'll discuss that in a second. Uh, but thank you very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free. We are available on all podcasting apps and as well as YouTube. And thank you very much for all those who send the Spotify raps. It's pretty cool to see. Frankly, I'm pretty blown away by the loyalty and consistency that some of you have uh, listening to this program on a daily basis. So thank you so very much for doing so. It is greatly appreciated and a bit honored. Uh, Sorry, there's no, our regular graphics package just didn't work for some reason today. I'm not entirely sure why. Um, So hopefully you can still hear me and see me if you're watching it and it's still working for you. Um, But the regular big graphics package with all the layout didn't, didn't click in. Um... So first thing is just a really solid win. And though I would say, I think, you know, I think the schedule gave them one, right? The Clippers played the night before the Clippers were playing without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and Nicholas uh, and Norman Powell, who was kind of the, the impetus that had won them their previous games when they were without those guys. Um, and uh, there was a fourth player. Oh, Luke Kennard, who's really good. But actually it's like a really consistent performance to what we've seen in all the games previously. And maybe this is the most encouraging thing to me. I don't think that performance was actually dramatically different than what we've seen in the five-game losses. The energy, the heart, the consistency, the fire of this team has been pretty similar in every game all season long. In fact, there was a play last night where I thought one of our guys didn't hustle. Now, I think he might have been nicked up a little bit. But he, he literally just didn't hustle. Like, didn't get back defensively. It was the first time I'd seen that all season long. Like I, I mentioned on the air because I thought it was noteworthy that we just haven't seen it at all. Um, and a great, incredible tribute to this team. And so I thought last night's performance, I don't want to, I'm a little cautious to get, have a, this great different emotion and happy hat day and all that kind of stuff. It might've been just because my hair looked ridiculous. The, that, because they won. I think, you know, people like to win and wins feel good. But from a standpoint of what this team does, their signatures, the heart and the effort and the tenacity and the togetherness they play with every single night, that did not wane in any way during the five-game losing streak. And so I'm a little reluctant to then overplay the excitement of a win just because, you know, frankly, maybe the opponent wasn't as good tonight. Um, the, you know, Terrence Mann, Marcus Morris Sr., Vaka Zubak, Amir Coffey, and Reggie Jackson's not a great team. You know, they found they have found a way to win games impressively, but that's not that's not a, a tremendous bunch to go beat on a back end of a back to back. 
it's what won the game is just all the same characteristics that are the signature of the Jazz. I mean, it's a really good solid win, but I've seen really, really good solid losses too, I guess is my point. So not trying to diminish it, I think it's important. What's really important is for the guys that, that, that you know, what I said during the second quarter is when you're in a five-game losing streak and the game starts to slip away from you, it's really hard to see how you react. And they reacted beautifully. They came out in the third quarter, throttled them. When the beginning of the fourth quarter got a little wobbly, they came back out and throttled them again. So that's the coolest part about last night to me, is it's a solid win. But it's the same solid performance we've seen out of this group. That's why you should love this group. They just play with, with this energy and tenacity each and every night. The sim- most symbolic player on this ent- of this roster is Colin Sexton. And... I'm going to be perfectly honest. The Colin Sexton experience, which is truly what it is, it is an experience, has been a difficult one for me to grasp. Um, I have, you know, my own personal bias about what I like and how I like the game to be played. It is not, that is not in Colin Sexton's, like, DNA to play the game necessarily in that fashion. Um, and he misses reads and does, you know, he just does stuff that, like, if, you know, all of us have our, right? Some of us, like, Thai food and some of us like Chinese food and some of us like Italian food and like, okay, like players are no different. And like, I think he's a wonderful dude. He's like uplifting and he's fun to be around. Like this isn't personal in any way, shape or form. The way he plays and some of the things he does on the floor are often, I find maddening. Um, I'm, I, I'm going the other way because he, he plays with such unbridled positive intention. In how he plays the game. It's one thing if his inability to make a read at times or to get guys, other guys involved at times or make the right defensive play. I mean, you know, he'll, he, he gave, he can give a, you know, a bona fide great player like, you know, suddenly a, a stunning amount of space, right? And you're like, whoa, 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 whoa what's going on? Th- these things never, ever, ever are done with anything other than the greatest intentions of success. And that is maybe the coolest part about Colin Sexton. Is that the the guy really wants every... He, he, he's desperate to win. Plays with maximum heart. And I thought he changed the game last night when he came out and just battled to open up the third quarter with great defensive intensity. Um, sorry, I was looking up a date. Um, I thought he came out and just, you know, put out remarkable effort, got into it defensively, probably a little like overzealous. Fine. That's the essence of Colin Sexton. Overzealous is the essence of Colin Sexton. And I've decided I'm all in for it. Like he's just, it's incredible to watch his, first of all, his endless boundless energy Second is endless competitiveness. Third, his actual like skill set, which includes driving to the basket with immense power and strength and getting the basket. And his first step is ridiculously good. Like ridiculously good. Um, is terrific. When you in- isolate his individual numbers since Mike Conley's got out, he's been just terrific. Now, are there, again, like I called it on the air, I called him like this beautiful piece of marble that still had like jagged edges and could cut you and was a bit rocky and we're trying to polish it into this final beautiful art piece. And it has all of the pieces 
to be a remarkable, beautiful art piece. Now, it might not. Like, it might not just be in Collins' DNA to ever make, like, elite-level reads and stay at that level of focus for 32 minutes a night. And the, the they just those might not be congruent with that of this unbound energy and relentless competitiveness. Those two just might not go together. And that's a little bit of my point here is like, I'm just going to embrace this because it's pretty awesome. He's and it's, and it is like, it is the Jimi Hendrix Colin Sexton experience. There's no other way to look at it. His individual drive game is through the roof right now. He and Jordan both actually in the six games since Mike's been gone since November 20th, Colin's averaging 1.27 points per drive. I've got to bet it's close to one of the top guys in the league. Like, it it's a that's a really high level. One point two seven. Clarkson's one point two zero. I mean, this is how we're surviving offensively, and really playing. And his drive game is like if he has is on the dribble, has room on the drive to get going. It you're you're gonna have a hard time stopping him. Now, again, like the whole. The underhand scoop to Walker Kessler and his kneecaps with no room in the middle of, like, the key? Like, not a great idea. Not a great idea. But fine. Because I'm just going to embrace all of it and love all of it because of where it's coming from. And it's coming from the purest, most awesome spot. Like, the, the story about Colin where Alabama gets a bunch of guys foul out and ejected and injured. And next thing you know, they're going three on five. And Colin brings them back into the game. Like, fits perfectly. Fits absolutely perfectly to everything about him. And in some ways, maybe the perfect game for him at times because there was no teammates. It just had to do with, like, competitiveness and zest and and energy. And he's amazing. Um, but he's also really, really skilled offensively. Like, he, he's really, really, really skilled. His pick and roll game is actually, which was somewhat of a mess to start the year, has been really good in the last six games, too. He's at 1.14 points per pick and roll. Um, and again, Jordan, he and Jordan have both been good. He's been, he's been really good. Um, so we're seeing growth before our eyes. I think his reads the last three games have been better than ever before. They're working with him with these strobing glasses that he works with to make quick decisions. And then there are just plenty of possessions where he brings the ball up and cannot get off it to start the possession. So I'm just wanted to like announce this, that I'm, I'm all in. I love it. I, I think it's actually somewhat emblematic of this entire team that it's got flaws and it's not perfect and it, it's not ready and it has boundless energy and it plays beautifully and it plays with the right intentions and we probably should love it for every second of what it brings to the table and that's where I am with Colin Sexton right now I just think it's a it's a wonderful experience the Colin Sexton experience um and I'm going to fully embrace it and then enjoy every step of his development because he's just comes with such a remarkable skill set and he's just going to get better and, and better and better um so that's that's where I just you know it's a little, little, little fun open. Hope that makes sense to everyone. Um, and you know, we'll we'll it'll be fun to watch. It's going to take some time. We've got him for got him for a little while, and he, he keeps he keeps improving. So it's going to get even better uh, to see today's show. A Thursday edition of Locked On Jazz. Thanks very much for tuning in today. We do appreciate you. And as I said earlier, those of you with the Spotify raps, some of those numbers are just. Um, completely, completely mind-blowing, and I could not be more appreciative um, of that. Today, feel free to send it, please. I'll, I'll retweet it. I want to see it. They make my day. Um, if, if you're wondering if you're going to get any, absolutely. I just, it's the, it's honestly, it's like, the, it's data. It's like, there's no hiding it. It's like the most rewarding um, thing to see out there. Uh, today's show is brought to you by my good friends over at Summit Capital. 
Summit Capital is a Utah County investment group uh, who is made up of successful business operators, Dave and Matt and Jeff, uh, the guys that I've gotten to know over there. They're looking to provide capital for management seeking to buy out the owner of the business they work in. So think about someone works in a company, family owned usually is probably what we're talking about. Family's been there for a long time. There's next steps to be made. Why is family going to take the risk? Things are good. But as management, you know where you could take this company to even greater heights. So Summit Cap comes in, provides the equity for you and the money, and you buy out the owner, they win, and you take the company for a new level, and you take Summit Cap on the ride. I can tell you from personal experience, they invested in lockdown. They were terrific. Uh, they had, they did a, uh, really, they asked great questions and never got in the way. Like, what else could you ask? What, never had an artificial timeline to get out. Uh, they invest for the long term. They invest all types of structures, both debt and equity. Um, they're good people. It's Matt. It's David. It's Jeff. Reach Matt at 801-796-2033. That's 801-796-2033. Or you can email LockedOnJazz at SummitCapUtah.com. That's LockedOnJazz at SummitCapUtah.com. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at BetOnline. BetOnline, where the game starts. They do great work, fun stuff. Over at Bet Online, I need to check the lines more often because there's always like that play at the end of every night where you're like, I wonder whether that just swung things. Uh, we got a little Thursday night football action tonight. The Buffalo Bills, New England Patriots, actually a pretty important game. Too bad it's played on Thursday because Thursday games are bad because uh, it's inhumane to ask players to play that soon. Uh, Bills are a three and a half point favorite in that. There's only one NBA game tonight. Dallas and Luca go up against Detroit. They're an eight point favorite in that. NBA Futures Championship odds. Boston's beginning to be the odds on favorite. Plus 400, Milwaukee's plus 550. Phoenix and Golden State are now the West favorites. Golden State at plus 750. Phoenix at plus 800. The Clippers, who we saw last night at plus 1,000. And then Brooklyn is still sixth overall at plus 1,600. But we're beginning to thin it out a little bit. Uh, The regular season win totals, they keep adjusting to them ever so slightly. The Jazz over-under on wins is now 41 Point five. That's all over at our friends at betonline.net for the odds, news, scores, and the latest. It's all at BetOnline. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and we are available on all podcasting apps. And we are also available on YouTube. Thanks for joining in on that. Make your second listen today. Locked on Sports Today, your 22-minute rundown of all things in the sports world uh, available for you. Uh, some zone defense last night by the Jazz. Jazz played about 30-plus possessions, I would guess, in zone last night, um, which is a lot. Um, the most they've played maybe ever, frankly. Um, maybe not just, like, this season. I don't remember a team that's played that much zone. What's interesting about what Will Hardy did with the zone, which I really, really liked, is the fact that he had Lowry Markinen and Jared Vanderbilt at the front of the zone. Um, and that was made an impact and changed it. Um, I think, you know, you can do a lot of things with the zone, but when the Jazz played zone last year and you would have Mike Conley and you would have Donovan Mitchell each at 6-1 in the front of the zone, it, it didn't feel like that was going to be very successful in, in at all. And instead, last night, what you saw with the zone, first I thought you saw the Jazz fly around. So that's the key to a zone. Um and the second thing was that you had this kind of f- front line that they played around with. At times it was marketing in a guard. At times it was Vanderbilt marketing. 
Um, I like the idea, though, in a day and age where the three-point line is really one of the most important things you want to protect, the idea that you go into a zone with small guards seems really backwards. So the idea that you go into the zone with and have big guys up front who can get out and take away shooting windows makes a lot of sense to me. So it was really interesting to see. Um, And I think we'll see how much they do it in the past. They did it. uh, He dropped it a Doka Kessler zone uh, for a few possessions before we went to San Francisco for that game and it didn't work. And then they practiced it again uh, in San Francisco. Didn't use it for that night and, and practiced it a few more times. And then we finally saw it last night. So that I thought was really interesting to see. And it's, you know, for a team that's 29th in the league defensively and 30th in the league in defensive rebounding over the last, or 30th in the league in rebounding, vice versa, over the last five games, you know, the reason you get worried about a zone is whether or not you can rebound. Well, we weren't particularly rebounding. So um, I don't know what our rebounding was in the 30 possessions in which we were in the zone, but it didn't seem to be a problem. It's go- It will be if they play that style where the bigs are up top, they're going to have to really crash. and really, But they have to do that anyway frankly. And maybe it forces some of the guards to do a good job. The, the rebounding, defensive rebounding on both sides last night was poor. Uh, I think the Clippers got 34% of their offensive rebounds, which is really high. The Jazz got 38%, which is like 90th percentile. So both, neither team did a very good job of the defensive glass um, last night. What the Jazz did last night is really the Clippers didn't make shots. The Jazz did a wonderful job of denying the rim. The Clippers only got to the rim 19 times. They only went 8 of 19 at the rim. Which leads to kind of my second thing I noticed last night, and it's subtle, but Walker Kessler came in about two minutes earlier than usual. Walker Kessler had been coming in at the four-minute mark most of the time recently. Like, if you wanted to look at it, he was at about the four-minute mark of of most games. Last night, he came in at the 6-13 mark and the 7-10 mark. I think there's something here. Um, Few reasons. One... Walker's good. Okay, so let's start there. Walker's good. Um, and I think Walker is only going to get better. He seems to be super hard on himself, which, you know, I think you have to hope he doesn't beat himself up. Um, I mean, you see him last night hitting the floor and things, and it's super, super hard. The NBA is crazy hard, particularly for young bigs. You just don't see young bigs impact the league very much. He is impacting the league. He's doing he's doing some fabulous stuff. I think he's like fifth in the league in block shots right now. Um, and I think most teams, I don't want to overplay this, but I think most teams play kind of a traditional center to start and then go smaller as the night goes on. So it, the more time Kessler can get against a starting big early in games, the better. That's, that's my feeling on it. The more time he can get in early games against starting bigs, the better. One, he learns. Two, it's better for us. It's not great when he's on the floor with five wings, which a lot of teams' second unit is becoming because there's just not enough centers. And so I think that that's, like, let's keep an eye on that. Um, It's just a subtle little move. Vando might be better the other way around. Vando's defensive numbers are not great. I don't know why, but the Jazz defense with Colin Sexton... And Jared Vanderbilt on number on the floor. The numbers are noticeably noticeable enough that it's actually probably worth commenting on. Um, and I think that that's, um, I think just a subtle little move there by Will Hardy to keep an eye. And these are the things that Will's done a very good job on. Third one I want to touch on was Lowry Marketing's first half versus second half. 
game. So in the last few games, Lowry has been really, really active early and then really quiet. Um, The first thing I think that's going on where we're all off a little bit here is when we say Lowry is really quiet, I think we forget, despite the fact that at halftime last night, Lowry Markkinen has 15 points and was loud. He'd only taken six shots. He went to the line five times, but he'd only taken six shots. So then when you go look at his second half and he doesn't take a shot, until I think, like he takes his, takes one shot in the third quarter, and he, he actually takes five shots last night. And so the first thing about Lowry that's interesting is he's just able to do a lot of have a huge impact on very few shots. Um, but it is noticeable last night that in the first quarter he was particularly pr- prominent. He took five shots, and the night before we had the second half in which, and then he takes one shot in the second quarter. And he takes one shot in the third quarter. And if you go back to when the year started, what I talked about, things I wanted to see from each player in their development and skill I didn't want to forget. The thing I wanted to see out of Lowry was I wanted to see seven shot quarters. Like I wanted to see him really take a lot of shots in a quarter and be that guy. Seven shot quarters. He then, you know, we saw it in the second half the other night also. So is this a trend? Well, interestingly, he's far better in first halves than second halves. But in regards to a trend like he doesn't get shots or doesn't do things, that's actually not a trend. So he shoots 55% in first halves and 52% in second halves. Both those numbers are incredible. He's only in 24 games, he's taken six more shots and five more free throws in the first half. So nothing like that could go away. No trend there. He actually rebounds more in second halves. Um, he has more turnovers by a large margin in first half. So he's probably more active, but it's not it's dramatic. His three-point shooting in first half is 44%, and his three-point shooting in second half is 35%. Somebody's probably realized, oh, shoot, we shouldn't leave him. His three-point shooting right now is kind of otherworldly. He's in the month of November. Lowry Markkinen's numbers in the month of November are insane. He is shooting 55% from the field, 44% from three, 82% from the line and averaging 22 points a game and about eight or nine rebounds. 55% from the field and 44% from three in the month of November is how he wrapped up the month of November. That's crazy. So he's just more efficient and better in first half shooting, but he's not actually absent, which I think is somewhat noteworthy. Uh, late game watching. We do that. As we continue here on Locked on Jazz. Thanks so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. We are free and available on all podcasting apps. Uh, Fun little day for me, by the way. We have the Locked on family, the staff, in town here in Park City for the first time ever since the company was started in 2016 that we have our staff in the same place at the same time. Prior to today... Or last night. We had never had more than four members of our company ever in the same place at the same time. And all of them are up in Deer Valley right now in a house having a blast with a basketball court in the house. Um, enjoying themselves immensely, hopefully. And then we'll do some, I'll bore them to death with some presentations um, about Locked On today. Uh, so I think you guys know, and I hope you're enjoying this because I sure am, is I've been doing late game watching. Ron and I usually do it together. But any game that's close late, 
we go grab the final nine minutes because we want to watch all ten players that play or nine players, and then um, review them. Last night was a little absent of close games. Cleveland blew out Philadelphia one thirteen to eighty five. Atlanta blew out Orlando. Boston, who has the best offense in the history of the NBA, um, beat Miami 134-121. Brooklyn and Washington. New York and Milwaukee went down the wire. So I watched the end of that last night after I got home. Um, Some interesting things on this one. There's a really interesting set that... uh, and Milwaukee doesn't run a lot of sets. But they're running a holiday Giannis pick and roll on the right side of the floor with Brooke Lopez, their center, in the right corner. So teams are trying to get to open side pick and rolls where there's no one in that corner. That's, that's kind of the big thing everyone wants to get to in the game. But this one's interesting because if you put Lopez in that corner and, and Lopez is guarded by a center, then that center actually has to be out toward Lopez because he can bury the three. Which then allows Holiday to come on the turn and they have Giannis roll down the middle of the lane. Well, then you've got to bring some guys over on Giannis because he's rolling in the middle of the lane and there's two shooters on the far side and Holiday can, is big enough to hook that pass over the top. In this case, New York, Mitchell Robinson, worrying about Holiday's drive, came off Brooke Lopez and just makes the short pass to the strong side corner. Like, number one rule in the NBA is de- never leave the strong side corner. So if you put Lopez in the strong side corner and you've got a center on him, then suddenly you never have a center in the middle. It's a really good set by Mike Budenholzer. It's a basic set, but it's really, really good. Knicks are running a neat little three-man weave with R.J. Barrett, Jalen Brunson, and Julius Randle out on the right side of the floor. It's like literally a three-man weave, and you'll hand off, and then you pick the guy you hand it off for or flip for, and it's got some neat little pitches in it instead of handoffs. The pitches are hard because if it's a pitch and the guys never come together, are you switching or are you not switching? It, it, it makes things really complicated. You know, if you do a pick-and-roll, everyone knows you're just switching. If you're doing a handoff, kind of most people think you're switching or at least you're hedging out. Well, if it's a toss, it gets right caught in between. And you're not entirely sure what's going to happen next. So they're doing some neat stuff with that. Um, the um, biggest play of the game, because Giannis fouled out of the game, was a Grayson Allen three off a accelerate off a handoff from Lopez, taking advantage of the idea you're going to drop off Lopez, and Grayson hit the big shot. Um, the other one the Bucks ran that was really neat late was the Bucks inbounded to Giannis. Grayson inbounds it, comes right back at Giannis. Fakes the handoff. Giannis turns the corner. And then Giannis catches it like the elbow of the free throw line. A little higher. Top of the key, call it. Fakes the handoff. And Giannis turns with a left-hand dribble. And Holiday comes by. And he gets the handoff. And now there's nobody in that corner. So Giannis is rolling on an open side. And Holiday's coming in the middle of the lane. That's another one that's tough to guard. Milwaukee's got some little actions that get really, really hard to guard. Um, And Milwaukee wins that one, 109-103. Memphis played Minnesota. I am utterly convinced Minnesota is going to be better with Carl, out Carl Anthony Towns. I, I thought that the case. Now that I've watched him, they looked much, much better. Anthony Edwards was amazing last night. He actually hit Rudy Gobert for an alley-oop. They're playing Kyle Anderson late who wins games. He just plays right. Um, Minnesota's doing stuff where they try to do stuff with Rudy up top on these handoffs. It's all a waste of time. Just play him in the pick and roll. Like Just play him in the pick and roll. What are you doing? But they beat Memphis last night. Memphis really misses Desmond Bain because when John Morant drives and kicks it out to D- Dylan Brooks, it's it's a disaster because he can't shoot. He's just such an inefficient player. I mean, he talks trash and gets in fights and everyone loves him and all that stuff, but he's just not actually that good. Um, so he doesn't actually make shots, which is super important in this league. Um, and so it's a real problem when John Morant drives and then kicks back and Dylan Brooks is there instead of Desmond Bain. 
uh, for them, and they just don't have enough other guys to close it. Roddy's playing okay, but I don't think they want to close with him. And so they they fell short last night. They just felt like they were missing. Memphis felt like they were just short a piece last night. Watching that piece is probably Desmond Bain. Um, Rudy got one rebound in 26 minutes last night. Rudy only played 26 minutes last night. I'm telling you, I like Minnesota a lot more without Cat. Also because I love Jalen Noel who's playing. I actually think Austin Rivers is playing pretty well for them. They started a kid named Wendell Moore, but I didn't see him because eight minutes I watched, he wasn't on the floor. Um, and they're playing Kyle Anderson 40 minutes who wins games. Keep an eye on it. They're 11-11, and 11, maybe 12-11 and 11 after the win last night. I think Minnesota will have a good six weeks. Uh, I then went back and watched the Dallas Golden State game because I was planning to watch it the night before um, from yesterday and didn't get to because I had to watch the end of the Clippers-Portland game to get ready for the broadcast because I went to bed thinking the Clippers had lost that game. This was one of the great basketball games of the season. Uh, it is fascinating to me. Everyone is doubling Luka, and he is getting off the For a guy who has 41 points, 12 rebounds, and 12 assists, he gets off the ball so willingly and makes the right passes, and then they get wide open threes out of it. They're taking 50% of their shots as threes. And I guess you just have to decide you don't believe that Reggie Bullock and Christian Wood and Spencer Dinwiddie are going to make threes, and that's what the Warriors did, and they didn't, and those guys went a combined 0 for 12, and the Warriors lost. Like, that's crazy. Josh Green made some big plays, and Josh Green on a decoy came off a high pick and roll and drove to the basket, which is a skill set we had not seen out of the Australian, out of the University of Arizona, former first-round pick. So that's a that was a big step. This was also a game where Doncic was guarding Curry. Actually, I thought did a half-decent job. The Warriors were going to get Doncic every time, and the Dallas was going to get Curry every single time. Um, uh, what else did I have? Um... Doncic had a beautiful steal and fast break and rose for a three in transition. I guess they called it a two, but it was just an incredible play. Um, and then, you know, the Warriors have their choice. Wiggins guards Doncic late, which is a pretty nice luxury. Dallas wins this game. Dallas has been funky largely because Tim Hardaway, to me, is so inefficient. And Christian Wood's kind of unclear what he's going to be on a given night. And so they added these two pieces this year that just make them, honestly, don't, I don't know that I think they make them better. And... And then for them to get this win is a big deal. It's a really big deal because that's that's a good one from them. Dallas is ten and ten. Minnesota's eleven eleven. Warriors are eleven eleven. Portland's eleven eleven. Portland has lost eight of ten. Oklahoma City's nine and thirteen. Lakers are eight and twelve now, having won a few in a row. We'll see. Um, it's interesting. It's it feels as though right now it's going to come down to the Jazz or Portland for that tenth spot in the Western Conference to get into that playing game. All right, that is Locked on Jazz. Thanks very much for tuning in. Appreciate you very much. Thanks again to all those Spotify wrapped people. Uh, and please send them my way. It makes my day. I'm not lying. I'm just going to admit it. Like, I did a class the other day at BYU, and someone said, how do you deal with public criticism and, and stuff like that? And I was like, I'm not well. Um, pisses me off. So I will openly admit, if I'm going to admit that, I'll admit the other side, that seeing that someone has dedicated you know X amount of hours to listening to this show just warms my heart, and I appreciate it more than anything in the world. Uh, Have a great one. Thanks very much. Talk to you soon.